Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. 29 years ago this spring, Janine Cummins lost two cousins in a brutal attack. They were raped on the old Chain of Rocks Bridge just north of downtown St. Louis and then murdered. Her brother was also a victim, although he survived. Cummins later published a memoir about the crime, A Rip in Heaven, A Memoir of Murder and Its Aftermath. But it's Cummins' latest book that has made her a national lightning rod. It's called American Dirt. It tells the story of a mother and son having to flee Mexico and come to the U.S. as undocumented immigrants. Stephen King blurbed it. Oprah Winfrey picked it up for her book club. But then came the backlash. Many Latino writers blasted the book. They said it got key details wrong. And others noted that its ascent came at the expense of authentic Latino voices. The outcry grew so fierce, Left Bank Books canceled Cummins' planned appearance on January 26th, and days later, Cummins' publisher canceled her entire book tour. So joining us today to talk about it is Chris Kleindienst. She's the co-owner of Left Bank Books. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So Chris, you found yourself at the forefront of some controversy that that really ended up just um, growing and growing. Tell us, why did you ultimately make that decision to cancel Janine Cummins' book reading? Well, it was not easy. Um, The book came out on a Tuesday, uh, and at that point, the the sort of the backlash and the criticism and the concern just exploded, uh, and um, our event was scheduled for the coming Sunday. You had some crazy timing there. (laughs) Crazy timing, and there were maybe four—we were maybe the fourth stop on the tour, so it was incredibly pressured— time-wise, to both digest what was being said and figure out what to do with it. The, 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 at that point, almost everything we were seeing was on social media. Some of it was general social media, and uh, more and more was directed at our event. It was maybe not local people exclusively. It's always hard to know, but, uh, but it didn't really matter. So we were doing our best to listen to what was being said um, as carefully as we could, even though some of the ways it was being said was um, were uh, uh, unpleasant. And um, we tried, we thought, well, the way this event is currently conceived, it's it's not it's not going to work. It's not going to have we're not going to be able to have the conversation we thought we could have because of the book. And um, we even questioned whether that was the conversation we should be having. Mm -hmm. So we reached out to um, some members of the local Latinx community to see if they would be willing to be in conversation with Janine to sort of really change the nature of the event itself. Initially, um, a couple people did agree to do this. They thought, you know, it would be important. Uh, But within about 24 hours, um, they felt uncomfortable. They did not think that it would serve the purpose that they would want it to serve. Okay. And so uh, what we mutually agreed to do is something at a future date, um, because, you know, we have other opportunities all the time in our, our programming. And uh, so Saturday, we, we, we told the publisher we would need to cancel. And um, so the criticism we were getting beforehand about um, why were we giving this woman a platform and mm-hmm. and so on? Immediately turned into uh, criticism f- of accusing us of uh, censorship and uh, playing into cancel culture. 
uh, we're still getting that criticism even today. And was so. that, you mentioned earlier that the, the previous criticism, it wasn't clear how much of it was coming from St. Louis. After mm-hmm. you ended up canceling this talk, do you have any sense of, of was this St. Louis reacting or was this the whole world was, was suddenly adding you on Twitter? Well, I think more of it, um, I don't really know, you know. My gut is that the folks who are taking the time to email us are are from the local community. Um, on social media, I, I don't really know. Uh, it's just, it's ironic to us that the um, language, some of the language being used initially against us when we sort of looked com- comparing in the social media is the same language being used against us from the other position. So uh, the conversation out there is... Um, heated. <laughs> That's a very polite way <laughs> and, to, to and, speak of an unpolite conversation. <laughs> and I think for us, though, it wasn't about a popularity contest. We wanted to come down on the right side. And for us, listening to the voices that um, we felt should be listened to was the most important thing, whether what we did in the moment was popular or not. Did you feel at all vindicated when the publisher very soon thereafter canceled the entire tour? Well, we felt maybe vindicated for about one second, and then it was like, well, we sure got hung out to dry by the situation, didn't we? But um, the, you know, because we were so, it was just so soon. Our thing was yeah. so soon out You the had door. to make this decision that everyone else ended up kind of being spared from making. Yeah, right. Well, we also have two other guests with us today to talk about this bigger picture that that Chris is is mindful of here. And uh, the first is Ignacio Sanchez Prado. He's a professor of Spanish, Latin American studies, and film and media studies at Washington University. And he himself was born in Mexico. So, Ignacio, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. And also joining us today is Kelly Von Plonsky. She's the owner of Subterranean Books, which is another great independent bookstore in the Del Mar Loop. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, Ignacio, I understand American Dirt had been on your radar for some time, well preceding this controversy that Left, Left Bank found itself in. What were your early impressions of this book? So <clears throat> I just heard in the news that there was a book about Mexico coming. I'm always looking for books in English to teach in my classroom. Mm-hmm. So I pre-ordered it without thinking too much about it. I did not know who Janine Cummins was. Mm-hmm. And then um, in December, um, some Chicano friends... A published Miriam Gorba's review in their social media. And I read it and I was like, whoa. Because <laughs> there were some really specific criticisms in that piece. Very specific criticisms. So, you know, I pre-ordered the book in such a way that I got it the day of release. So I read it and then I tweeted some things and the next day I was getting called by the Washington Post. And I, the, the place where I just have to clarify that being a Mexican born in Mexico that immigrates as an adult and being a Mexican-American born in the U.S. is a different experience and perspective. Mm-hmm. So from my perspective, the way it, I, it saw is a book that was just off. Mm-hmm. It's full of factual mistakes, some of them cr- critical to the plot. Mm-hmm. It's a book that represents a very flat uh, idea of Mexico that professors like me spend years trying to counter. And for me, that was the frustration. It was um, to see yet another book with a, or another product, because films 
like this, there's very many, that gets all these publicity apparatus claiming to be a favorable representation of the situation of Mexican migration. And then me as a scholar knowing that is not true, that they were mischaracterizing and misrepresenting the book and mischaracterizing and misrepresenting Mexico. Mm-hmm. Now, Kelly, I know um, as a fellow bookseller with Chris that you had also read this book ahead of everything sort of blowing up. And you had a different impression. Tell me, what did, what did you think about this book? Well, I, I loved it. But my takeaway as soon as I finished it was, whose hands can I put this in to make a difference? Um, I, I totally hear all of the um, factual inaccuracies and, the thing, and there are things that I noticed as a n- completely non-professor of, <laughs> of Mexico. Uh, but I was thinking I can set those aside because this has made me feel what it might feel like to to have to take your family so many hundreds of miles on a dangerous trek mm-hmm. to a place that you don't know. You know, whereas, you know, previously intellectually I could understand. You know, I could hear interviews with folks who have done it, read news stories, but I couldn't really put myself in that position to emotionally feel it. And that was what I when I closed the book, I thought, hmm, I need to put this in somebody's hands because there are people's minds who need to change. So you saw it as a real empathy builder for that immigrant and refugee experience. It was for me, and I was hoping that it would be for other people. Now, Chris, um, you've said, too, that you do find the novel's plot a compelling one. I'm wondering if your perspective on how you feel about that reading experience has changed with everything that's happened, or if you still feel like, you know what, this is a book that some Americans really should read. Well, I I think I... um, I kind of share Kelly's reaction when I first read it several many months ago in the galley form. Uh, it what it, it it was. It's definitely a page turner. It's it's de- it's paced at, like a thriller, and you are, um, you know, it's a work of fiction. It uh, you you become immediately engaged in um, what is going to happen to these this mother and son, and you do see um, what that journey might look and feel like kind of from an inside, you know, insider's eyes. Um, I was not in a position to notice the things that um, Latinx and particularly Mexican um, readers would. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I finished it, I, I kind of had the same response, like this could this could move some people's minds and hearts. Um, definitely a certain kind of person. Uh, I, I, and so hearing about all the inaccuracies and reading, you know, the, the critical reviews has been certainly a learning experience for me. And, um, and I, you know, I completely understand it. And what I think we need from this is definitely a sea change in publishing. Mm-hmm. We just, we do. Now, we invited Janine Cummins uh, to join us by phone today, and and we didn't hear back. I know she's just been deluged with requests. However, she did talk to NPR's Rachel Martin. And on that show, Martin read a tweet from an L.A. Times writer. And here's what she read. American Dirt has left us with a textbook example of nearly everything we should avoid when writing about immigrants. It is hollow, harmful, and adrenaline-packed cartoon. There was quite a pause after Martin read that. And then here's how author Janine Cummins responded. Okay. I don't I don't know how to respond to this. It's I can't not everyone has to love my book. You know, I endeavored to be incredibly culturally sensitive. I did the work. I did 5 years of research. The whole 
intention in my heart when I wrote this book was to try to upend the traditional stereotypes that I saw being very prevalent in our national dialogue. And I felt like there was room. I feel like there is room in the national dialogue for us to examine the humanity of the people involved in a much more intimate way. And I, you know, people can decide for themselves whether they feel that I failed or succeeded in that endeavor, but that was my hope. And that's author Janine Cummins uh, speaking to NPR's Rachel Martin. Ignacio, I'm wondering, does knowing that she had good intentions, that she wanted to to humanize this situation that so many Americans um, just, you know, have such harsh feelings about, does that affect your feelings about this book? No, I, I feel the same way as when one of my college students come in and they do the homework wrong and they want an A. Um, I think that it is a... I don't question her intentions. Mm -hmm. She may have been well-intentioned. And I honestly think that what happened is that her publisher failed her. Mm -hmm. So whenever you turn in a book, there's a process of editorial development and revision. They should have brought knowledgeable readers to help even not shut down the book, just clean it up. Would you have been okay with this book written by an American who didn't have a deep knowledge of Mexico if she had had enough good assistance or um, research people working on it where it would have been accurate, even if she wasn't writing about anything like her own experience? Absolutely, yes. You would have. Okay. And I actually think if you, it's written from the perspective of a Mexican character, mm-hmm. and Janine Cummins does not have the ability to, to narrate that. If she had narrated from the perspective of a U.S.-born journalist who whose distance and lack of knowledge is written into the character, we would not have had a scandal. Mm-hmm. Paul Thoreau wrote a book about contemporary Mexico that I've been recommending. He's not an expert on Mexico, but all of the book is narrated from the perspective of an American that goes to Mexico and discovers things as, as he goes. This creates a position of knowledge that is not knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why she got into such hot water. However, I do think that if you, if she, she's legitimately stunned by the reaction, because if your publisher gives you a million dollars and puts you on Oprah and develops the manuscript for two years and no one in the publisher picks up the possibility that this may have happened. I think it is unfortunate that it has become a, dis- a discussion as to whether non-Mexicans can write about Mexico. That's a false discussion. There's many non-Mexicans who write in academia and in literature they have for the whole of the 20th century. You have Graham Greens, you have Cormac McCarthy, you have Catherine Ann Porter, and they did it well. You can challenge details about their accounts, but you cannot challenge their authority. Mm-hmm. The problem in here is that we have someone that did not develop the authority getting a lot of recognition and a lot of platform to write about something that she doesn't really know about. We received a voicemail from one of our listeners in Manchester, Missouri. Her name is Susan, um, and she read the book. Here's what she had to say about it. I've read the story, and I can't say it it was uplifting or it was an excellent story. My question is, does one have to be a member of any particular culture uh, or country to write on that country? I read her explanations, and I think she really researched things. Things were not, I think all sorts of people were um, represented 
That's one of our listeners, Susan. And we want to know what was your reaction to American Dirt and to the event being canceled? You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Listening to Ignacio, I think he makes a great point about so many of these um, American or British writers um, have written books about Mexico that haven't received this pushback because they are correct in so many ways. And yet at the same time... If I may add, they are translated into Spanish, read by Mexicans, and respected by Mexicans. Hmm. So no one in Mexico thinks that foreigners should not write about Mexico. We just want you to know what you're talking about. That's the point. That does seem fair. I I definitely would have to agree with that. But I also do find myself wondering, um, it seems like we're much more aware of the trope of the white savior. And so the idea of having the main character be some sort of American journalist who's in there um, would that have possibly cued a backlash in its own way? I'm curious, Kelly, your thoughts on, on the book industry. Do you think that might have solved the problem here, as Ignacio thinks it might have? Or could that have been a different problem? Probably a different problem. I'm sure people will find something to complain about. <laughs> Do you feel like people are getting um, more upset about some of some of these issues, whereas, say, back in the day, Graham Greene uh, didn't face this kind of thing? Yes, but then the question is whether that's good or bad. Mm-hmm. What do you think? <laughs> I mean, to a certain extent, it's good. And then goes too far, it's bad. Chris, what do you think as, as somebody who's also a bookseller and, and wants to connect people with with things to read? Well, um, I think that I concur with uh, everything Ignacio has said that um, that uh, in, in thinking about this moment in time that we're in, as opposed to other moments in time and other writers who have um, written uh, what might be today called outside their lane, but been welcomed and accepted, um, is that this is a really fraught time. And what is happening right now on our border is a humanitarian crisis of huge scale. And so in some ways, the responsibilities, I'm sure I'll hear about this, um, <laughs> the responsibilities of publishers and, and writers may be called upon mm-hmm. a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we shouldn't be pretending, um, you know, art doesn't live in a bubble. It shouldn't. It's the, the purpose of art. Um, so I, that's, that's what I'm going to say right now about that. Mm-hmm. Ignacio? I think that part of what has happened, and this is where my colleagues in the Dignidad Literaria movement are pointing out, is that the reason why a lot of the members of the U.S. Latinx community have risen is because they have written books of similar topics and they have been shut down by publishers. Mm-hmm. Luis Alberto Rea in NPR in, in Latino USA, he mentioned that it, publishers will tell you that people won't buy his book because of his last name, mm-hmm. because it's a foreign last name. It might be true, because I mean, publishers are businesses, so they have to know their market. Uh, there's other people who have shopped memoirs of immigration, very well compelling, and they have been rejected by 14 or 15 publishers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the thing is that there's a willful choice here in this particular case of a publisher who would not give the time of day to these Mexican or Mexican-American writers 
to put this book into the market. And one of what they're saying is not do not publish books by Americans on Mexico is consider also publishing books by Mexican Americans. Have the oh, promote all the voices. And that's what's very difficult to think because in the in the fraud times that we that she described, you know, where there's a lot of sensibility about racial issues in the United States, people get very defensive. But I, I you know, my job as a professor is trying to find the nuance, even if it's hard. And I, I don't disavow the reading experience of people who might have read American Dirt and found it valuable. What I want them is then follow up with a Mexican American writer and compare the two readings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly right. I, I'm sorry. I, I, um, I, there's plenty of room in the publishing industry to do the right thing and to bring these other voices um, more to the fore that have been languishing at perhaps smaller houses or not getting published at all um, for infrequently horribly uh, racist reasons. And, um, you know, we have room. This can be an and both, and, and things can be um, lifted up. Mm-hmm. We're talking to Chris Kleindienst, the co-owner of Left Bank Books, about the controversy surrounding American dirt. We're also talking to Ignacio Sanchez Prado of Washington University and Kelly Von Plonsky, who's the owner of Subterranean Books. We need to take a quick break. We'll be back very shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Welcome back. We're discussing the controversy surrounding the novel American Dirt. Uh, That's by Janine Cummins. It just came out in the last month, and it was meant to provide a sympathetic exploration of the issues encountered by undocumented immigrants. Instead, it set off a firestorm. First, Left Bank Books canceled her book reading here. Then her publisher canceled the entire book tour. And we're talking about that situation with a very smart panel. Uh, That includes Chris Kleindienst, who's the co-owner of Left Bank Books, as well as Ignacio Sanchez Prado. He's a professor of Spanish, Latin American, American Studies and Film and Media Studies at Washington University, and Kelly Von Plonsky, who is owner of Subterranean Books. If you want to join this conversation, you can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, our producers talked to some community members about this as well, and one of them is Christina Rios. She's Mexican-American. She's a local graduate student at UMSL, as well as a theater artist. Until recently, she was the artistic director of RS Theatrics here in St. Louis. And she did praise Left Bank's decision to cancel. But, she said, canceling events is only the first step. For most of my life, I've been super optimistic. And only lately in the last few years, I think have I started to replace a lot of that with realism. And I think the problem with giving, like, A for effort is that it's sort of allows the, the society to, to go like, well, okay, problem solved. You know what I mean? Because people really praised me for this one positive decision or this one pos- positive movement. And I'm not even talking about left bank books, but in terms of like publishing, I think that if the publishing world and if the book selling world really want to send a message, then canceling events, or restructuring them as forums or discussions or any of these things that are huge steps have to be looked at as just steps and part of a much larger journey. The actual journey is going to be over when we don't have to talk about these things, and there's just a whole, like, bunches of equity involved in 
in, you know, how we look at writing, how we look at works, how we promote the people through the educational process. You know, how do people get books published? I mean, most of, of society, of American society, don't even understand how that works. And that's Christina Rios. She's a theater artist, a grad student at UMSL. Now, yesterday it was reported that Macmillan, the publisher that owns Flatiron Books, which published American Dirt, is, quote, committing to substantially increase Latinx representation, including authors, titles, staff, and our overall literary ecosystem. Uh, Do you think if this is something they had done five years ago that maybe we wouldn't be in this jam? Ignacio, what do you think? I I mean, if you look at this uh, scandal, it's not only that they don't publish Latinx authors. But they don't have staff, so they did not have anyone with the expertise in their company to read this book and decide whether it was publishable in its current form. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's bad for their business. Uh, they, the Latinx uh, population is eighteen percent of the population in the U.S., and if for no other reason than to think of us as a market share, uh, you really it's really up to your interest to 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 have a representation of this very large subsegment of your market. And I think that uh, David David Bowles, Roberto Lovato, and Miriam Gorba have to be recognized because even though they have come out to fight very strongly uh, in the American controversy, they went to New York, they met with Macmillan, they had a very respectful meeting, and they came together to an agreement that is moving forward, which is we have to amplify the voices of writers that publishers like Macmillan wouldn't have considered before, and you should also have some stuff that really tells you whether a book is actually going to achieve the effects that you yourself as a publisher is claiming that it's going to achieve. So, yeah, a lot of people are talking about American Dirt is just indicative of these larger issues. And we also talked to a local woman named Alicia Hernandez. She's a local Latinx uh, community organizer who works on immigrant issues. Her parents were undocumented immigrants from Mexico. And here is what she told our producers about that. As we've seen um, artists and, and writers and, and folks in the publishing industry mention um, this definitely brings to light uh, the lack of di- diversity and the lack of, um, you know, looking into uh, Latinx um, authors, uh, black authors, immigrant authors, and really pushing through those stories. Um, we've seen an article shared that has a list of 17 books to read. Um, and if anyone has seen that article, I would, I would suggest to, to look into that and read those stories. And that's Alicia Hernandez suggesting there are some books out there. But to our booksellers on the panel, I do find myself wondering, as Ignacio referred to, there are these wonderful books that are there in translation. Um, And I wonder if these are books that American readers are willing to tackle. You know, I know when I was a newspaper editor, people always told us that they wanted positive stories. And I got the analytics. I knew people were not actually reading the positive stories. They might even share them on Facebook, but they wouldn't actually click them, which is what we needed people to do. So if there's a, a more authentic version of this story, what's it going to take to take American readers to actually buy that to the level that they would have bought American Dirt? Kelly, do you have thoughts on that? Well, you know, it starting children's books in the last five to 10 years have really had a sea change from picture books up, chapter books up through, you know, YA high school. And it has not made it, obviously, to adults yet. But that is a good place to start is with young people today, they are, there are so many other books that they can read. There's a whole own voices movement within kids' books, which are writing stories by people who are from the same culture they're writing about. 
Um, so maybe we can train these young readers right, to yeah, understand these sure, are better stories. For sure. Yeah, and, and there are certainly some writers. Um, we were talking earlier about uh, Valeria Luiselli, who is fantastic and who has had more movement. But most of the adult books have been from small presses mm-hmm. who do fantastic things, but those by definition, are harder to get into the hands of people. Chris, any thoughts on that topic of of trying to get readers to actually read these books, not just get media hype around them? Well, that's, you know, the ongoing mission of our bookstore, definitely part of it. And Kelly's right about um, the the kids and the YA books that's been amazing what's going on there. And um, hopefully we'll be raising readers that... uh, do read more curiously. Um, I think, you know, I, we have always looked for and carried those books and those voices, and um, frequently they wind up as staff picks. And uh, s- later this month, our, our reading group um, called Read the Resistance, which was born um, at our store out of Ferguson, um, is reading Luis Alberto Urea's book, Devil's Highway, and discussing it. And that book is also about a um, northward uh, effort. Um, It's nonfiction. Um, That was on our menu of programming well before all of this. So, you know, I think that that's, that's that's how bookstores do it is we just put the best books we know out there and keep doing it. And we get them into some hands for sure. I think sometimes it takes for um, some white Americans a big explosion of some sort to move them out of their comfort zone and realize they want to learn something. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe that will happen here. I want to go to the phone lines. Tom is calling from St. Louis. Um, Tom, hi, you're on St. Louis on the air. Thank you. Uh, I was taught that uh, the key antidote to bigotry and to you know, seeing a person as an ethnic other is empathy. And it just seems to me that, uh, you know, I haven't been able to read this book, but the idea of spending so much time and effort to imagine the plight of uh, someone else like this is is a great exercise in empathy. Uh, And I, I don't understand why we don't want to reward that kind of exercise. Uh, Also, I also wonder if sometimes a majority culture person might be, you know, who understands the issues, might be best placed to lead other majority culture people to that place of empathy. Tom, I think that's a fair question. Um, Ignacio, obviously, uh, you've pointed out some real errors in this book, and that's, that's part of your problem with this. But what about this idea of, you know, empathy is the ultimate thing that, that fiction can do for us? I, I think that there is, that's a um, legitimate take. Thank you, Tom, for your comment. Um, and I, I have been telling all along, there's white writers who have done a very good job about this. Mm-hmm. Paul Thoreau does a very good job about this because he tells you a bunch of stories about, around Mexico that even Mexican writers are not telling. Mm-hmm. But the, I think that the problem is that you have empathy for the specific characters in the book, but you don't have empathy for Mexico in this book. It's a very flat representation of a country that is both very rich and also fraught in some serious situations and you don't see that complexity and I think that what I will I was telling Kelly and Chris O'Fair is that you can read American Dirt and be okay for example with a presidential candidate 
telling you that you're going to send troops to Mexico to pacify. <laughs> you can read American Dirt and then think that it is okay to leave uh, Honduran migrants stranded in Mexico while they wait for their asylum. I think that the problem is that even with well-intentioned products, if the information is not accurate, people are making political, electoral decisions on these matters. You wouldn't know, for instance, that... It, and this is not whether you are pro or anti-immigration, but the rising Honduran immigration was due to the support of the Obama administration to the Queen Honduras. Um, and that's what created the immigration wave. Whether you like it or not, the, you can have any position about it, but that's a factual statement. In books like this, that gets erased because of the empathy for individuals. You don't empathize with the situation. Hmm. If we, if people knew in the book that Hondurans migrants are crossing Mexico, but also why are they coming, I would have a different perspective of it. But the portrayal of Hondurans is cartoonish. It's interesting. Um, I feel like we've had such a such an interesting discussion today, and yet so much of the discussion I see online is talking about completely different things, yes. where people are saying, what are novelists allowed to write about now? And I guess my last question here in the last minute we have left, are you worried that even as this could have a, a great effect on the publishing industry, it might also make people more scared of setting off the kind of anger that people like Chris had to deal with involving this event? Kelly, does it make you a, a bit nervous as a bookseller? No. That's great to hear. Chris, what about you? (laughs) Uh, No. Okay. Ignacio, do you think that that we should worry about people trying to shut down more voices as opposed to... No, absolutely not. I think that um, more people should dare to come in. And if they know, they should share their knowledge. And if they have something to say, they should jump into the debate. Okay. Well, I think that's actually the the perfect thought to end on. So I want to thank all of our panelists. I know this is such a fraught subject and that anything that people say, sometimes people can can jump on them online. And I think they were all very brave to be here and discuss this. So Ignacio Sanchez Prado of Washington University, thank you so much for coming here today. And Chris Kleindeast, uh, co-owner of Left Bank Books, thank you for being here. And I hope the firestorm uh, dies down for you guys. And Kelly Von Plonsky of Subterranean Books, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.